Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. What's Wagner's rule of life number four? <laughs> Nothing good happens outside a strip club at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, I understand I might be like a dog with a bone on this, but this is just fundamentally wrong. It is an insult, but let's tee this up. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. I'm sorry, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. So glad to have you with us. Hey, let us not lose track of an interesting statistic. Our Milwaukee Brewers, first place. Chicago Cubs lost last night 6-5 to five in Colorado. The Brewers are in first place by one half game. They've got 38, they're 10 games over 500, 38 to 28. The Chicago Cubs 37 and 28. So Brewers in first place by a half a game. They do have, I mean, they got a tough road trip coming up because they're going to Houston, where as Greg just said, best record in baseball. And then they go to San Francisco and I think then San Diego. So it's a tough eight game road trip over the course of the next 10 days or so. But, um, got to give credit where credit is due. They've weathered some storms and they're still not hitting on on all cylinders, firing on all cylinders, but you know they're, they're ten games over five hundred. Hey, and mark this down, Craig Kimbrell, Chicago Cubs, in, in kind of this panic thing, they decided, okay, we're, we're going to have to go out, we're going to have to spend like really, really stupid money, like forty some million dollars on a three year contract for K- Craig Kimbrell. Mark my words. I think they are going to regret that signing. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but that's a lot of money to pay for a guy who I think is on the downside of his career, and maybe he'll help him this year, maybe not, but I think at the end of the day, they'll regret that signing. Of course, when you're the Chicago Cubs and you've got a payroll of over 200 and some million dollars, I guess you can afford to make those mistakes. Speaking of making mistakes, the Milwaukee Business Journal is reporting that the local daily newspaper, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, has just sent out a letter to subscribers announcing a massive price increase for the seven-day subscription, home delivery plus digital access. This comes on the heels of another massive price increase that they announced last October. I'll give you the numbers, and then we're going to discuss. But I, I, I seriously wonder... Are they trying to kill the print edition? And I don't see how you can raise prices enough to solve the problem. I mean, I think this is just, I think it's a failed strategy. Let me kind of back into this discussion. On Friday night, I was having dinner with, Fran and I were having dinner with a a, a couple, some friends of ours, and these friends had invited another couple to join us. Um, I I had not met these people before. Very, very nice folks, Um, a little bit older. They spend most of the year in Palm Springs. They've got a place in Palm Springs. And they were, we were having this conversation, and I, I don't, I think they were kind of under the impression that WTMJ was still part of journal communications, you know, because right now we're owned by Good Karma. Um, the three years before that, we were owned by Scripps Broadcasting. And before that, for you know the longest time, it was journal communications, and we were the broadcast wing, and then you had the, the journal Sentinel, which was a separate wing. And so and I was kind of explaining to him, well, no, we don't share a corporate identity with the paper anymore. And And the guy out of the clear blue said, you know, I, I get we, we get the paper delivered when we get back from Palm Springs for four or five months. But he, and he said, I always loved it, but there's nothing in it at all. I, I'm, I'm just stunned by how there's nothing in it. And I said, well, I'm just kind of curious. Do you 
do you know how much you're paying for it? And he said, you know, actually, I, I don't. We've just always gotten it, and I would just always renew it because it's something we've always had. And then I, I started telling the story, and I'm going to tell you in just a second, and he was going, you know, i got to look at how much we're paying for this. And I, I, I've told this story before. I, I was a, I was a seven-day-a-week subscriber for years and years and years. And then when I sold my house in Whitefish Bay, or maybe a little bit before that and moved, I, I'd gotten a renewal notice. And they, they wanted like 400 and some bucks for the seven-day delivery of the paper and digital. And I thought, you know, that's really, that's a lot of money. I'm not getting 400 dollars worth of enjoyment out of it. So I, I called up. And I said, you know, I've been a subscriber forever, but this is just too much money. And they said, we got a deal for you, Mr. Wagner. We've got a deal for you. You've been a subscriber for 30 years. Instead of $420, we'll charge you 370 And I said, no, 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 that, that's really not that much of a deal. No, thank you. I will simply take the digital access. So you can go online and you can actually read. Uh, you, uh, you can read a print edition of the paper if you want. You get all the stories, and it's like ten bucks a month. And I will tell you, it took me about two days to get used to the print edition. You know, to being able to do everything online. And it, you get to see the paper. It's ten dollars a month, which I think is is fine. So it translates into I forget what the deal was, but you know, it, it's around that about a hundred to hundred twenty dollars a month. And I get all the stories. Matter of fact, I get a lot of stories that don't even make it into the paper. And I'm paying $120 a month, and I'm reading it on my laptop instead of, you know, what they wanted. Well, here's the latest deal. Effective July 1st of this year, the Journal Sentinel is increasing the price for seven-day delivery, home delivery, and digital. It's going up to $636 a year, $53 a month. All right. On October 1st of 2018, October 1st of 2018. So this is, you know, um, eight months ago, nine months ago, they raised the price to forty three dollars a month before October 1st of 2018. It was thirty two dollars a month, three hundred and eighty six dollars a year. So let me put this in perspective. September 30th of 2018. It's $32 a month, which translates into $386 a year. July 1st of 2019, it's gone up to $636 a year. So they've raised the price like 250 bucks in the space of nine months. Now, they've done it with two massive increases, all right? And it includes the seven-day-a-week stuff, and it includes the, the digital, which I, by the way, like and highly recommend. At the same time, and I don't want you to get lost in these numbers, the circulation has dropped dramatically. December of 2014, 294,000 people got the, the circulation for the Sunday paper was 294,000. December of last year, it had dropped to 170,000. The daily paper during that time had dropped from 182,000 to 111,000. So you are seeing massive drops in circulation of the daily print edition. Now, I'm not talking about people like me who, who read it digitally online, but massive, massive decreases, circulation drops, which is not unusual. Lots of newspapers are going through it. But the response the paper has taken is massive rate increases. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, so in the face of 
of cratering circulation in the daily print edition and the delivery of the hard copy of the newspaper, not talking about digital, the response has been massive increases to the point that now they want to charge $53 a month for the delivery of the paper, up from $32 a month in nine months ago. Okay, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this going to kill daily home delivery of the paper? Will people continue to pay for this? Now, I think one of the things that's going on is some people just don't pay attention to this. I mean, like I said, the folks we were talking to on Friday, they're like, well, you know, we've always got, we're, you know, we're, we've always gotten the newspaper delivered. We're, you know, we just, we just write the check when it comes in. And I'm sure that there are some people out there like that. But at some point in time, I'm sitting there thinking, really, are you trying to kill the print edition? I mean, are, are people going to pay this? Um, I, like I say, I bailed on the print edition, you know, a couple years ago, still get the digital paper, love the content. This is not about the content. It's not about the material, but you know, okay, I'm comfortable at $110 or $120 a year. Would I be comfortable at $600 a year? Heck no. 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. If you're just tuning in. The, the Journal Sentinel in the last nine months has undergone two massive rate increases um, for seven-day delivery and digital access. Um, last September, it, it was $32 a month, which translates into $386 a year. Effective July 1st, it will go up to $53 a month, which translates into $736 a year. I mean, this I, – I guess I'm kind of stunned by this. And, again, I, I'm, I'm – this is not, I'm down on the local newspaper. It's not at all. I have a digital subscription. I did that a couple years ago because I, I wasn't going to pay over $400 for the paper. I'm wondering who's out there that's going to pay $630 for a paper when, again, for around 100 or a little bit more, you can get complete digital access. You can go on their website. You can download the e-edition of it so you can see what the paper looks like. I, I just... They're obviously trying to raise rates as a way of, you know, generating revenue. But it seems to me that that's a losing proposition. Let's start with Tony in Brookfield. Tony, you're on WTMJ. Well, I am a uh, creature of habit and guilty as charged of, number one, reading the paper for 35 years. Mm -hmm. But after this segment, and my wife pulled the invoice for me yesterday and showed me what the bill is going to be. Yeah. I, and I have never paid attention in 35 years to what I've paid. And a lot of people are like that, Tony. You're, you know, you're a creature of habit. I was the same way. You get the bill every year. You write out the check. So I'm with you, pal. I get it. And, and, and after today, I'm canceling. I, I think this is just this is the, this segment has just changed me and said, you know what. I got to I got to cancel this thing. It's ridiculous. Well, I mean, again, and, and like I say, I I like the I this is not a criticism of the content or the product. I have the digital subscription. I am perfectly comfortable with that. Took a little bit of getting used to, but after 2 or 3 days, I was perfectly happy with that. I don't need the hard copy of the paper delivered anymore. And if I can get digital access for 120 bucks or thereabouts as opposed to a hard copy of the paper delivered for 630, I know which way I'm going, my friend. No kidding, and I think ten dollars is probably the right amount, but not sixty or seventy or eighty dollars a month for the hard copy. It's just yeah. that's, 
that's too much. Okay, thanks for calling. I appreciate four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. I I was I mean when I saw this story in the Milwaukee Business Journal, my reaction was, are they trying to kill the print edition? Because at some point in time, and again, when when you look at massive in the face of declining circulation for a whole variety of reasons the, these are these are massive increases you know the 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 one in October of 2018 that went from 32 to 43 dollars a month that's a 28% increase and then effective July they, they've gone up another 23% i mean these are massive increases in the space of of a year 4147991620 let's talk to Mary in Mequon Mary you're on WTMJ Good afternoon. Hi, Mary. Um, I'm with you on the whole. I dropped my subscription to the print edition when that September increase went through. Kept the digital. Love the digital. Yeah. I did call, and I called twice in an attempt to get the Sunday only. I enjoy the Sunday paper. It's a different kind of ritual. Right. And they do not have a Sunday-only version. So not only are they raising their prices, they're doing nothing that a typical business would do to try to encourage consumers to stay with them in some way or another yeah you can't get just you can get sunday and wednesday right is that how right. it works and i don't right. correct yeah. and i don't want the wednesday paper i have no need for it i i you know right. it's just my husband and i we don't do the big couponing for groceries i i don't need it and i want the sunday only and they won't do that to me that's also showing a kind of a disregard for the marketplace if people would i think they probably could sell a sunday only subscription yeah yeah well um, so i guess the answer is you run to the grocery store or something sunday morning and you pick up the paper so you still have it but which uh, is what we have been known to do if right. one of us goes to the store we pick up a sunday paper there's a lot of some features that are a little harder to find online or yeah, a little more sure. varied in some of the sections and so we and it's kind of a ritual. You know, no, it, the it, it, paper. no, thanks for no, see, The reason I bring this up is, and I know some people at the paper are going to think I'm, I'm picking on them. And I, I'm just, I, I love newspapers. I, I do, and I, I want to see newspapers survive. But I, I when, when you look at these type of massive rate increases, I just, I don't see how they're going to do it. I, I think they're counting on the fact that there's a lot of folks like. I was up until a couple of years ago, and like the folks that we had dinner with, very, very nice people who, who just, it was just, it's a force of habit. They're not really looking at this. And, and, and then, you know, it's one thing to have a massive rate increase last October. It's another thing to have another massive increase. And I, I mean, they've gone from $32 a month to $53 a month in the space of, well, you know, essentially nine or ten months. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Mary in Milwaukee. Hi, Mary. Hello. Thanks for getting my blood pressure again today. <laughs> I have called. I have called them three times. Today's Tuesday. I'm not getting my paper. Sunday it was soaking wet. They promised to deliver a new one. Never showed up. When I call them, they say, "Well, just look at the e edition." And I'm like, "If I wanted only the e edition, <laughs> I would pay for that." Right. But I've had so many issues with delivery. They know me, but they won't. And I said, "You're forced, and you don't even want to print the paper anymore. Why don't you just stop?" Yeah, it well. And they won't even let me talk to a supervisor. Uh, maybe I'll. I said, "Well, maybe I'll call George Stanley then." Yeah, I well. Mean, I'm just, yeah, well, I mean, it is right. It's, it's like okay, they're directing you to the e edition. Well, you're, okay, fine. The e edition is 120 bucks or thereabouts, as opposed to 600 bucks. Is that really what you want? You know, is that? I mean, I've gotten paper my entire life 
But with this, and I lost that whole thing last fall with the increase that got buried because of some family issues. But now I am so done. I mean, it'll be hard for me. I guess if you can get used to it, I can online. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, right. Well, thanks. No, it's it's a little bit. No, and, and again, you and plus the online stuff. They've got a lot of stuff that's in there that I find to be interesting that never makes it into the paper or makes it into the paper a couple you know days later. But if you want to see the layout, and I do that from time to time doing the show. I want to see, hey, you know what what did they choose to emphasize it's something I might want to talk about or whatever. And, and so, I mean, I'll check out the edition quick. I read the green sheet there. And again, I'm not encouraging people not to buy the paper. I am just saying I, I wonder consciously with these massive price increases, is this just a subtle attempt to to really kill the print edition? Because I don't know who's out there that's going to continue paying these massive costs. Nick in Eagle. Nick, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey. Hi, Nick. Nick from Eagle. How are you doing? Real well, thank uh, we you, sir. Have, we actually had our rates lowered if you can believe that uh they were they, they rate we got we've got that little thing in the with the paper that says you know you can get this deal for three months for, for right cheap. and we did that and then we never canceled it but when we we got our next bill it was it was it yeah. was pretty high right so I, we called up and said just cancel this we can't, we're not going to pay this and and it's, it was actually going to be higher a higher rate but after uh, we talked a little bit to this whoever this person was, they said, uh, "We're going to we're going to we're going to cut you some slack. We're going to make you a deal. We're going to charge you twenty four dollars a month." Okay. I said, really? For the for the entire subscription for seven days a week? Wow. Okay. Let's do that. So that's what we're paying right now. Okay. Kind of like it's kind of like, like I hate to say serious radio, but you no. know if you if you complain a little bit. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm sorry, your cell phone's cut now. Yeah, I mean, cell phone's cut. Like I say, a couple years ago, I tried that when I got the bill, and it was going to be 400 and whatever, and, and their discount to me was, well, we'll take it down to 370 and, so, and so I've been perfectly happy with the digital. And I'm not encouraging people to, to cancel subscriptions. I am saying that with these massive price increases, and let's face it, there's a lot of days where there's not too much to the local newspaper. That's just the reality. And you're cutting down on the content, you're losing subscribers to the print edition, and you're now talking about what I fairly think is fair to describe as massive rate increases. At some point in time, you hit this breaking point, which, again, does make me wonder, is this how much longer is this going to be sustainable? Because it seems to me more and more as you start charging these rates, more and more people are going to be waking up and saying, we're just not going to pay this money. All right, time will tell. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. Grew, who's producing the show today and always. Did one of our callers in that last segment, Mary, did she say that that if I can figure out how to check out the e-edition on the Internet, that she should be able to do it, too? Yeah. She did say that. Well, you know what, Mary? You're right. If I if I can figure out how to do it, anybody can figure out how to do it. And, and like I say, it, it took me... It took me a day or so to get used to uh, you know, doing that, you know, online. I mean, I, I use I go to a lot of different news sources and check out a lot of newspapers, their online editions and stuff. But but it took me about you know, about a day or two to get used to going to the Journal Sentinel and having the the e edition and being able to check it out entirely on the computer. And you can do that for one hundred twenty bucks as opposed to six hundred forty bucks and. I don't know. That, that, that feels awful good. I seriously wonder whether they're trying to kill the print edition because if these massive rate increases, seriously, at some point in time, you're, you're just, people are just going to say, we're not going to pay for this. Um, 
when you hit that tipping point, I do not know. All right. I sent out a link to this story. Again, if you follow me on on, uh, Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. The mom is upset. She has been charged with a crime. I think... I think what she did warranted criminal charges, but you may disagree with me. All right, here's here's the deal. Mom has a nine-year-old kid that goes to an elementary school in Greenville, South Carolina. All right? Her story is that her kid has come home from school and said he was being bullied by other kids in the classroom. All right? At one point in time, they pulled his hair or some other kid made faces at him or whatever. She says she's called the school's principal on one or more occasions, and she's complained about it, but the quote-unquote bullying has still been going on. So here's what happens. May 17th, she shows up in the morning, and this is when all the kids are coming into school. So it's like the drop-off period. So the, the, cla- the doors to the school are unlocked because everybody's coming in. So she drops the kid off, shows up at the start of classes. She walks into the schoolhouse. Now, people kind of know her because she's one of these class moms who from time to time would bring treats, you know, and help out as teacher's assistants and stuff. She walks into the school. Now, the rules say you've got to sign in. She doesn't sign in doesn't check in she walks down to her kids classroom now this is before school starts so all the kids are lined up outside of the classroom waiting to to get in apparently that's you you wait outside and then when the class starts they open up the doors and you go in she starts she's not sure which kid or kids in particular were bullying her her child. So she decides to address all these kids. Oh, and did I mention these are nine years old? These kids are nine years old. So we're talking second or third grade. So you've got all the kids that are lined up waiting to go into the classroom. So she says she's not sure which boy she's looking for. So what she starts to do is scream at all these kids who are lined up against the, the wall. And while this is going on, she's apparently also videoed. She's, she's got the cell phone out. She's she's filming herself screaming at these children. She says she wanted to, these kids to know that she was not playing around and they better stop messing with her kid. Okay, so she's pointing her fingers and she's yelling at all these nine-year-olds that are, you know, that are, are lined up outside there. Okay, apparently what happens is you have teachers who are like in their classrooms or whatever waiting for the, the school day to start, and they hear screaming coming from the hall. It's this mother yelling at, at these kids. And so these teachers come running out into into the hall, and essentially the teachers go up and they confront this woman. Lady, what are you doing? You know, what what are you doing? At which point in time she turns on, on one of of the teachers and she starts apparently lifting her finger and she's pointing and she gets in the face of the teacher and starts cursing the teacher whoever it is that came up to her starts cursing him out 
One teacher wrote that she heard this mom yelling about not knowing who was bullying her son, but she was going to find them and their mom. Another teacher said that once he was able to get the woman out of the hallway into the classroom, she cursed him repeatedly and then stormed out of the room before administrators could get there. All right. So you've got the background on this. And like I say, she's 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 recording this on her cell phone. So she's proud of what she's done. And she's like, all right, I had to take matters into my own hands because my kid was being bullied. Well, down in South Carolina, they've got a statute. It's a misdemeanor to go in and to disrupt you know, a, a school to disrupt school activities, including, you know, going onto school grounds. And that includes going onto school grounds and creating a disturbance. All right. So she's now been charged with a misdemeanor. She says, look, I, I, I understand. I'm sorry. I was probably in the wrong. I want to apologize for cursing out the teachers and things like that. But I had to take a stand because my child was being bullied and the school wasn't doing enough. So I took matters into my own hands. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Mom has been charged with a misdemeanor. I think the charges are appropriate. I understand she's probably frustrated if she thinks the school isn't doing enough. But that's not the way you deal with things. And if that was my kid that was in the hallway and you had some crazy adult screaming at them, yeah, I'd want them banned from school and I'd want them charged. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Was the mom's belief that the school wasn't doing enough to stop her kid from bullying, was that justification for what she did? My answer would be no. What do you think? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. A texter says, can you tell us what the son was allegedly being bullied for? The story I have says his hair. And I don't know what about his hair, whether it was too long or too short or whatever, but but about his, his hair. She had complained to the school but felt that the school was not addressing it properly, so she decided to take matters into her own hands. Now, she didn't know who it was exactly that was bullying the kid, so she decided she was going to scream at all the kids. Carol in Milwaukee. Carol, you're on WTMJ. Hi there. Hi, Carol. Thanks for taking my call. Mom was really acting like a bully herself. She was bullying the teachers, and she was bullying the the children. Yeah. Well, yeah. And plus, and, and plus, she didn't even know who who the kid or kids were. So she's screaming at all of them. Now, I don't know about you, Carol, but if I got this report, if my kid, who'd had nothing to do with any of this, came home and said, gee, Mrs. So-and-so rolled into the classroom today and she was screaming at us and pointing their fingers at us and accusing all of us of bullying, I, I think my reaction would be, lady, what are you doing What are you doing going after my kid who hasn't done anything in regard to this? Exactly. I mean, uh, this woman should be just totally shamed and the charges are just. I think so, too. But, Carol, let, let me ask you the, the tough question. Okay, her perspective is her son has been bullied. Uh, she has alerted the school. The school hasn't done enough to stop it. What is she supposed to do? She can go in and she can have face-to-face discussions with the teachers, yeah. uh, the, the right. lunch personnel, the the 
people that are on the playground yeah. during recess, uh, the office personnel. Maybe she can get a better outcome that way, right? But not to come in and just start screaming at children. I, I right. Thanks. Thanks for or cursing at or cursing at teachers. I mean, I I, I agree, and I I understand that there is this frustration, and I, I mean, I don't know enough about this to know how legitimate her concerns are. I think it's kind of interesting that she apparently didn't even know who the kids were that were bullying. You, you would think that if her son, her, you think her son would, would know who the bullies were. You know, it's it's Gru and Jeff that are picking on me, so you could at least have identified those and maybe reached out to their parents. But, I, I mean, I agree. I don't think she has to do nothing, but it seems to me that the way you do it is you, you start off, okay, you're, you're scheduling meetings, with the principal and with the teachers and saying this is a huge issue and then if 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 that doesn't work then you're talking to the school superintendent and if that doesn't work maybe you're talking to lawyers or something like that but i I, you just can't at least in my opinion storm into a school um not register and start screaming at nine-year-olds 414-799-1620 that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line let's see uh jeff if some here's a text if some raving parent came in and started yelling at my child and i found out about it i would be livid it's not her job to parent my child especially if my child had nothing to do with the bullying of her child yeah steve on the east side steve you're on wtmj good afternoon yes Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for calling. What, 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 yeah, see, uh, you, you raise a very good point. My son has autism, which is very, uh, unique. And he told me that, uh, someone was bullying him at school. The key is, is that I got in, you get in touch with the proper people at the school. And then we had a, a meeting and then we addressed the situation mm-hmm. as far as what was going on. I was notified of it. But to randomly or just to yeah. go up to the school and and do that 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 that's outrageous because because you're you're being no better than the person that's doing what they're doing you can't just do that you, well right and and so I mean I, I think what you're talking about Steve is exactly the way to do it you you know you start off okay let's have a meeting if if that meeting doesn't produce satisfaction okay then you kind of go up the chain of command and you go up the chain of command and you go up to the chain of command and if you still can't get satisfaction like I say maybe. Maybe that's when you start talking about a lawsuit or, or, or whatever, but you can't just walk into a class at, at 8 right. o'clock in the morning and start screaming at nine-year-olds like you're a maniac. No, no, you, you can't do that. But it, it worked out well, but you can't do that. And we're all adults with this. So, so right. but, but, but you know that there's a problem there. I, I can tell you this. The school districts and all school districts, the, the administrators, the principals will talk to you, work with you yeah. to find out who that child, that problem child is. And I think the way she handled it, uh, she could have went about it the same way I did this as far as getting, sitting down with the, the sitting down, having a meeting, a conference, right? Right, right, exactly. And then, I mean, thanks. For, and then at least, okay, at least then you, you identify who it is that's bullying the kids and, and okay and then maybe i mean i don't know maybe that's where you you call up the the mom or you call up the dad and i i don't know there's all sorts of different things that you can do but i i and then she videoed this i mean this thing she was clearly now they've taken it down since she got charged criminally but i mean she she was proud of herself she thought that this was the way that you go about handling this type of situation here she was she was standing up for her children by going in and cursing out a teacher and screaming at a bunch of nine-year-olds and i guess i i appreciate the frustration she had if her child was legitimately being bullied but you you can't 
you can't do it this way. I mean, can you? And if you do, yeah, I, I think criminal charges are appropriate. Now, she's not going to prison for 20 years. Nobody's talking about that. Right now, she's all upset because they've also banned her for the school grounds, which I think is appropriate. And this is a misdemeanor. And my guess is if she's convicted, she'll get some community service. But, yeah, I, I don't I don't think at least for the short term and maybe the long term, she should be back on school grounds during school time, absent for appointments to meet with, you know, people, and then she should be escorted at all times. Don in Waterford. Don, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, just a couple points here. I mean, it sounds like she reached out to the school. It doesn't sound like they were really able to do anything or much help, I yep. think. The next step, obviously, she we already know she handled it the wrong way. She videotaped her own crime, which is just ridiculous. Um, I think you, she, it needs to be reported to the local police department authorities, yeah. and it's harassment. It really is. And it doesn't matter how old you are. You know, why do you think these school shootings happen? It's because these kids get bullied. They get pressured to the right. point of where they're bullied throughout their grade school, right. all the way up to high school, and then school shootings happen. And right, or some of these suicides. These kids get pushed, you know, over the brink. And, and, and again, I don't want anybody, Don, to take away the, from this topic that I'm, that I'm not sympathetic and don't think that you need to address bullying. I'm just thinking there's a right way and there's a wrong way to address it. Absolutely, it's harassment. I think her next step should have been the local police. Yeah, right. Thanks for calling. Right, if you're, you you go up the ladder, you go up the chain of command, and you know you you expect some sort of results. And if you don't get it, like I say, there, there's always there's always somebody higher up that that you're going to be able to go to. And and maybe at the end of the day, you're right, Don. Maybe it's the police department. Maybe it's again bringing some sort of lawsuit. I I don't know, but I do know. You can't have people coming in and screaming at nine-year-olds and cursing at the teachers. That's just me. Hey, when we come back, interesting labor dispute that may be brewing in downtown Milwaukee. This story involving what happened at the NBA playoffs yesterday and a big chain restaurant may be on the way out. We'll talk about all of that in just a couple minutes. Please stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Eric Bilstead, you're in management. I had a management job years and years ago and just decided that wasn't right for me. So, okay, but, okay, but what, what do you do? What do the Packers do with this Josh Jones situation? Have you been following this? For, for people who have it, okay, so Josh Jones drafted second round draft pick in 2017 mm-hmm. so that is a high draft pick he, he's drafted to play safety although some people think he might be better playing like like linebacker or whatever so drafted two years ago really hasn't gotten a lot of playing time and kind of I don't know whether he fell into the doghouse of the last administration um, but he hasn't gotten on the field uh, a lot. So uh, last year he started being vocal with his displeasure about not playing more, et cetera, right, et cetera. Right. Well, okay, so we all know what's happened. Mike McCarthy gets fired. They bring in the new regime. So you, you've got the new coach. It's kind of like a clean slate for everybody. But during the off season, the Packers go out and they sign a couple other free agents uh, that, that play safety, which is the position he plays. So he's frustrated. He thinks, okay, you know, they're not going to pay millions of dollars to these other people. Um, I, he's frustrated. So what he does is he skips. 
the optional training camp um, a couple weeks ago. He decides he's not going to show up, and it is optional, so he doesn't have to. Now, most of the players show up, mm-hmm. but he decides he's not going to it show up. It behooves you to be there. Well, right, because you don't because everybody else is there, and they're mm-hmm. putting in the system and yep, stuff, yep. But, but he doesn't. There, there's no penalty. They can't force him to be there, and there's apparently no the way the Packers get, the way football player, football teams get a lot of the players to show up is they put bonuses in their contract. You don't have to show up, but if you show up, we'll give you money. So he doesn't have one, so there's no penalty with that. But he's very clear about he's not happy. He wants to either be traded or he wants the Packers to just cut him so he can sign with a, another team. And of course, the Packers, he's a second round draft choice. They've got a lot invested in him. So he's apparently showed up for this mini training camp where you're required to, because if you don't show up, you can be fined. But he's kind of on the sidelines and clearly is unhappy. So, management Eric Bilstead, what do you do with this guy? If. <laughs> Excuse me. I would say that, well, management's a little bit different when you're a professional sports team. But I would say that you, you hold him. Yeah, you keep him, and you—if he—he's not going to play, he's not going to play. I—you I, can't just cut him. You—you you have to get something for him. I would, right, and you shouldn't him. give him away. Right, I, I mean, because right, right, you've right. invested a second-round draft choice. I—I it takes one injury, and you and I both know how quickly that can happen. Right, right. It's the um, well. I mean, see, I—I I agree with you, and it's—it's kind of like. You hate to use the cliche "inmates running the asylum," but you can't allow people to—you can't allow people to hold you hostage. I mean, he's under contract, right. so the Packers control him. And if you just decide to cut him, well, then you're sending a message to anybody else who's disgruntled. Here, we're just going to let you go for nothing, right, right, you know. Right. And, and you can't do that. And as far as trading him. Well, my guess is by him mouthing off, he's hurt his trade value a lot because everybody knows, hey, this guy doesn't want to play for the Packers, so we can, we'll, we'll just wait it out. They'll either cut him and then we can sign him or we'll give him a seventh-round pick or something. Now, there might be some arguments over whether or not players deserve more leverage, and that may be the case. That's a whole new CBA discussion right. Right, exactly, at a later yeah. time. Exactly. But at the at this point, the team has all of the cards, if not the See, entire and I, deck. I, and, and the other larger point... World of sports or just life in general, I don't understand this guy's attitude, this Josh Jones's attitude, because, first of all, you're under contract and you're getting paid, all right? So, I mean, it's you're getting paid a lot of money. I would think that, and again, sports, I, I mean, I don't care what the business is, sports, radio, television, you know, insurance, whatever. You've okay, so you had some problems with the previous administration. Right? You you've got the these new, you know, the the new coaches in. I would want to be in there busting my butt to try to say, "Hey, you know, the, the guy that they fired, McCarthy, that McCarthy guy, he he didn't get it. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't realize all these talents I have. I'd be doing everything I possibly could to impress the yeah, new management yeah. with, "Hey, You'll take a second look at me instead of sulking like a kid, like a child. And if not, if you do that and they still don't want you, then maybe they would trade you and you get some value back. Well, well, right, exactly. And you haven't you haven't killed your value like that. I mean, I guess I don't know if that's being a team player or, or it's just being smart about that. You know, if if you get the reputation of being a cancer, it's gotta 
it's got to make it more difficult for you to find another job because I don't know if I'm the Indianapolis Colts and I'm sitting there saying, okay, well, this guy's just been you know unhappy in Green Bay and trying to get out. With a less than stellar resume reel, by the way. Right, with a less than stellar. You know, why do I want to take a substantial chance on him? Am I just bringing in another problem? I just, I guess... I just, I've always believed that success in life, 80% of it is showing up. You know, just, just, no, seriously. I think you're right. well, well, no, okay, you, you right. hire people, 80% is showing up. <laughs> you know, you, you, you know, how, how many times do we do topics or talk to people who do hiring and they can't get the people they've hired to mm-hmm. show up? No, you're right. right you know, show up. And then, you know, once you're there, you have a chance to, you know, impress people with your abilities. Huh. It's going to be interesting to see how that happens. So, yeah, Josh, Josh Jones, he is—he's on the sidelines, but he's—he uh, is in Green Bay because if he didn't show up, they could fine him fourteen, almost fifteen thousand dollars for skipping one day of of minicamp. And if he tries to sit out, he doesn't get a paycheck, which is a whole. I mean, that so he has to—he can't. He's not that good. He can't pull that off. Right. He's, he's not uh, Levon. Right. Levon Bell. Bell. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. their careers are so short. They have the window is so small for these guys. That's that's a dangerous game to play. Well, it is. I mean, just again, it's it's. See, that's just my recommendation in general. I, I go out every once in a while. I speak to these career days or something, and the kids. And my, my best recommendation is show up. You know, show up and do your job. And and generally speaking, good things will happen. Not always, but that's the first start. Because if you don't show up and you whine and you moan around about stuff. Uh, unless you're really, really good, and I'm not sure that there's anybody that that's that's that good, you know, you're you're just going to you're going to hurt yourself. It just is. Figure out what you want. All right, let us switch gears. I hope the Wisconsin Center board does not cave in. Here is the story, and if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. I sent out a link to this once again in the Milwaukee Business Journal. All right, here's the deal: the Wisconsin Center District. What that does, that includes that includes the UW-Milwaukee Panther Arena, the old Milwaukee Arena. It includes the Miller High Life Theater, the old Milwaukee Auditorium. And it includes the Convention Center facility. Okay, that's the Wisconsin Center District. The Wisconsin Center District is going to be used extensively during the Democratic National Convention. Now, the convention itself, I I think, is going to largely be in the Pfizer Forum, you know, down the road a little bit. But there's going to be all sorts of breakout meetings and all sorts of things like that. So the the DNC, the Democratic National Convention, is, is planning to use all these different facilities, um, whether it's the, the meeting rooms, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So that that is a part of this. Pfizer Forum, which is owned by the Bucks in that area. And of course, it's, there's also that $250,000 in, uh, $250 million in public money. Uh, the Bucks, the Bucks have made this arrangement where they're going to have a, a labor peace sort of thing. And, and what they do is at Pfizer Forum, they use unionized help and they pay quote unquote prevailing wage, which is, it's inflated. Okay. You, you pay more when you're paying this prevailing wage than you would otherwise have to pay for services. But, but that's what they do. And that's what the Bucks have agreed to do. All right. The Wisconsin Center District, you know, isn't under one of those sort of arrangements. And here's, here's the deal. The Wisconsin Center District is on the verge of signing a contract for building and event security. 
All right, you know the the people that maintain the security. Um, it's the contract. It, it's about three hundred thousand plus dollars per year for building and event security services. The contract, the contract or that they're about to go with, is a non-union contractor. All right, the security services that had the contract before this one. They were non-union as well. So they're about ready to sign this not this deal with a non-union contractor. The story in the Business Journal is how what's, what's happening is that you have union activists who are threatening to be disruptive during the Democratic National Convention unless the Wisconsin Center Board backs off and goes with a union contractor. Here's what the journal, what the business journal quotes, you know, one of the people saying, well, they can take the labor peach, labor peace approach, which means go with the union operation. Otherwise, there's going to be an active labor dispute. Milwaukee could be in labor chaos with picketing and do not patronize letters to delegates, disruption and unreliability. So essentially there's this threat that's out there saying unless you agree to go with a union contractor for this, this deal and the, drink, the length of the contract, you know, be prepared for disruptions during the week of the Democratic National Convention. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The Wisconsin Center Board, my understanding, is scheduled to vote on Friday on this contract. It was already set to be approved, but a couple members of the board said, okay, maybe we need to table this. Let's think about this more because do, do we really want threats of labor disruption during the Democratic National Convention? 414-799-1620. Should the Wisconsin Center Board cave? Should they say no to this contractor that apparently they're ready to sign the deal with and go out and try to find a union deal simply to avoid, I don't know, labor disruption during the DNC. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My comment would be, I sure hope they don't cave. What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Let's start with Dave on the south side. Hi, Dave. Hey, Jeff. Uh, I think no, because these guys are probably be working for nine or ten dollars an hour without a union contract. When you think, Jeff? Don't I, I don't know what the deal is. It's three hundred thousand plus per year. But why? What is the concern that you have? If if otherwise they're if otherwise they're going to bid on this contract and they've already decided it's the way to go, why? Why bail? Do you think that the union security firm is going to automatically provide better work than the non-union will? Uh, in some cases, too. Yeah, they will, Jeff. Yeah, for 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 ten on say ten on there and fifteen on a union, they probably will provide a little bit better. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. I, I mean, again, I I I don't know. 
All, all I know is, I guess, I mean, so with all due respect, Dave, I, I completely and totally disagree with you on this. And I think it would be shameful if the Wisconsin Center District Board decided to cave on based on this particular threat. If they've already decided, okay, that this is the company, they can provide the services that they want and they need at a reasonable price to simply if it if it is true that by going to the union firm you know you're going to add tens of thousands of dollars or maybe even more to the cost of the contract simply by doing that and getting essentially the same services i think it would be foolish to do that on top of that i mean on top of that i don't think you can be threatened i mean i i just think if you're a public entity you cannot allow people to threaten you and say, all right, well, here's the deal. You know, we're going to disrupt the Democratic National Convention and we're going to send letters to delegates and all these type of things. So you better go our way. Well, um, I, sometimes you just got to stand up to bullying. And that seems to me what's going on here. Dan on the south side. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Jeff, how are you doing? Real well, thank you. What do you think? Well, Jeff, on, I want to... Do one of your things. I disagree with you 100%. One reason is, one thing, the Democrats are 100% union. That's what they claim to be. Mm-hmm. They're doing all this, and they, and they shouldn't even consider this contractor before they talk to the uh, union. Okay, but so, but this isn't but keep it. This isn't the Democratic National Convention. This is the Wisconsin Center Board, and this is going to be a contract that runs for years. The Democratic National Convention is here for one week. I understand, but were they even in the running for the uh, market? Were they even, and if so, what do we know about how much they're asking in them? I'm just saying, I used to be union. I am still union. And what were they saying that they're bullying them? I don't know the story. You might know, but I'm just saying, you just, you just don't go, and even though you're saying it's only part of the convention, yeah. why are they doing that? Well, I mean, no, thanks, because, I mean, no, the, the why isn't hard. The, the Wisconsin Center Board is about ready to sign a contract with a non-union security firm. The, the union organizers don't like that. Now, it's not just security for the week of the Democratic National Convention. It's a multi-year deal for security at the, you know, at, at all the different events that are going to be going on at the convention center over, over the years. But what's happening is you have the union organizers who are trying to use the fact that the Democratic National Convention is going to be here for one week as leverage to try to pressure the Wisconsin Center District Board to do something that apparently they, they don't otherwise want to do. I think this is one of these situations where you have a little bit of a profile and courage where it's important for the board to stand up and say, look, we're, we're not going to be bullied into this by threats. If it made more sense economically or business-wise to go with a, a union security firm, well, okay, that, that's fine. But merely, hey, we want this to be unions, and we're going to throw a fit, and we're going to be disruptive during this week if you don't give us our way. To me, that's like you know the 10-year-olds that say that they're going to hold their breath until they turn blue, to which my response is, fine, hold your breath until you turn blue. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. This guy is my hero. He's na- his name is Joe Crane. He is a meteorologist, a TV weather guy who works in Springfield, Illinois, and I acknowledge he is my hero. He works for WICS in Springfield, which is owned by uh, Sinclair Broadcasting. Sinclair 
Rue, while I'm talking about this, would you look and see which station in Milwaukee Sinclair owns? I, I, I think I know which one, but I don't want to be wrong here. But Sinclair Broadcasting, and what's going on in TV nowadays is th- there's more consolidation and there's less and less local ownership. You have these these giant conglomerates. You know, our radio station formerly was owned by Scripps. Scripps is a giant conglomerate that owns just a ton of TV stations all across the, the country. Sinclair is one of these big um, TV companies as well. They own 191 television stations in 89 markets. So what they do a lot of times is they they want to have this consistency. So they they dictate to a lot of stations, okay, this this is how we're going to do it. This is how we do it, and this is how we announce stuff. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's WVTV, the CW. Okay, CW. That's who owns Sinclair. Okay, all right. So this is this is how we do it, and this is this is how we do it on on our our broadcasting stations. Okay, so that that's that, that's it. They have these plans. Well, apparently, for a lot of the TV stations, they have to promote severe weather coverage. They have been going for the last several months with this thing called Code Red, which is when there is bad weather in the area. They come out, and I, I'm looking at this this Code Red thing, and the weather guy stands in front of this map that looks like the world is about to end. It's bright red, and it's dark red, and it's like code red, you know, run run for shelter. It's, you know, it, this is it. Well, apparently what they were having, now Springfield, Illinois, is sort of in like kind of a tornado belt and things like that. And Springfield, Illinois, has been going through, apparently earlier this year, they, they were going through like, day after day after day where you had like thunderstorms and, and things like that. And apparently they had been running this code red thing like on an almost daily basis. It, every day was like code red, run for the hills because there's a possible thunderstorm in the area. So this TV weather guy, this meteorologist, he's been on the staff since 2004. So he's been there for like 15 years. He, he's not a rookie. And he had apparently been getting all sort. the station had been getting all sorts of criticism for doing this code red thing day after day after day. And, you know, you had you had businesses that were complaining. They say, you put this stuff up there. You know, we run a restaurant or whatever. And, and you, you scare people and they don't go out. I mean, the only people you're benefiting is the grocery stores because people run and they stock up on stuff and the gas stations because people run and they fill these things up. And, and you're just overhyping this that every time there's a storm in the area, you go on with this code red stuff. So about a week or a couple of weeks ago, he, he's on air and he's live. And it's another one of these code red days. And what he says, you know, he, he goes on TV and he, see her and he, and he says, uh, don't, he says, look, don't, don't blame us. He said, don't blame us for this, this code red stuff. It's all inclusive. It doesn't recognize that not all storms are created equal. This is what he says on TV. He says, when you hear code red, you think, as they say, the feces is about to hit the fan. We understand your concerns, but it's not us. This is a corporate initiative, the code red alert. And behind the scenes, many of us have tried to dissuade it for the last few months or to try something that's less controversial. So he's like on TV saying, yeah, I know I'm standing in front of this thing that says code red, but 
okay, I understand all you complaining, saying that we're scaring the crap out of people. I get it, but I'm being told I have to do it by the corporation. All right. What happened is, soon as he does this, he's pulled off the air. And he's been off the air since he ended up doing this a few weeks ago. Well, there has been a massive response to what this guy did. And the response is almost universally positive towards the weather guy, with people expressing, you know, outrage uh, about about this and complaining about the overhyped weather and the let's scare people. And this guy's point is, look, you know, we're putting up this code red thing every time there's a thunderstorm. And and there's a difference between, oh, my gosh, you've got a tornado that's bearing down on the city. And and, yeah, we, we've got a thunderstorm. He says we're using this all. We're trying to scare people. All we're trying to do with this is generate ratings. And I, I just just so you know, don't complain to me. It's not my idea. So they suspend him. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This controversy has been going on, again, since since he first did this um, earlier this month, June 5th, when he ad libs about this. My question to you is, do you think the guy has a point? I mean, is there... Are all thunderstorms created equally? And this particular company, again, this is, it's code red. Every thunderstorm is code red. Does that do the public a service? And my answer would be no. And I guess, like I say, this weather guy, to me, he's my hero for at least being willing to put his job on the line and say, look, I understand, I, I hear you when you guys are calling up and you're complaining that we're overhyping this stuff and we're trying to scare people and things like that, I'm with you. I think the company is wrong. 414-799-1620, do you support the weather guy in essentially saying to the general public, all right, we're trying to scare you, and I'm sorry that we're doing this. It's not my idea. 414-799-1620, should he have been pulled off the air? Does the company have the right to do this? What do you think? 414-799-1620, like I say, this guy is my hero for, I think, telling people what it is and instead of necessarily trying to scare them into watching for an extra 15 minutes. And I don't think they should discipline him at all. Matter of fact, I think they should change their policies to recognize that all thunderstorms, for example, aren't created alike. 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Rich in Oconomowoc. Rich, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Okay, what do you think? This this guy, you know, goes on TV and essentially calls out management saying, "Hey, you know, it, it, I, we understand we call everything code red, but you know, it's not all code red." Uh, he's right. I used to live in Louisville, Kentucky 2 years ago, and there was a people who were saying think about tornadoes. Mm-hmm. Well, the tornado wasn't even in our state yet, and they're breaking in over time and they got a it's out of hand. It's out of control. Well, <laughs> yeah, no. Thank, that, see, I guess that was what his that was what his point was. I mean, I, for example, I'm looking at our weather radar now, and 
it looks like there's there's showers in the western part of the state, okay? And I think that's what the forecast says, maybe some showers late. But, but there's a difference between, hey, there's going to be rain showers and, all right, look out, we're going to have torrential rain, Noah, get ready to build a boat. Okay, th- there's a difference between those two. But it appear, you know, sometimes in the world of TV weather, especially, I guess, Sinclair Broadcasting, it's all kind of the same. Let's let's scare people. And again, I see part of the problem I have with this is that that whole thing about the boy who cried wolf. If you if if you do this on a daily basis, especially in an area like Springfield, Illinois, that is prone to tornadoes, if if every day you're on television and you're breaking in and it's always this code red thing, code red thing, code red thing, even when it's just it's a thunderstorm or whatever. Well, when you really have that tornado that's bearing down, people are going to go, well, over the last two weeks, we've had code reds and it's just kind of been a thunderstorm and, and you're not going to pay attention to it. And that's where the disservice comes in. Jim in Waukesha. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, clearly, this guy knew his audience. And he gave them what he wanted, and by pulling them off the air, it did a disservice to their to their audience. And if they were smart, they'd put them back on the air, on the air, and probably get a nice ratings bump. Yeah. And if they don't take them, if I was the competing station, I would try and get the guy and take the ratings bump that went along with them. Yeah, you would think that that would be it. Okay, let me ask you this. The flip side, though, is if you're the station manager or you're the guy wherever Sinclair Broadcasting is headquartered, you're, you're, you're sitting there and you're hacked off because here you have this individual, you know, meteorologist who's gone on TV and has made you look bad and has made the company look bad. Can you get over that? I think I could. You know, I, yeah, I might be initially, I might be a little upset about this. Like, if I got that kind of reaction, I would look at it and say, Okay, this guy really right. knew the audience, and we, we missed the boat on this. And yeah. you know, he called us out, and you know we got to suck it up and, and be yeah. big boys and say, you know what, maybe we need to reevaluate this. Right, he was he was right, we were wrong. <laughs> yeah, Correct. Right. That's a difficult thing for a lot of people to say. Yeah, exactly. No, thank you. See, I, I I'm I'm with you, and this is again, this is this is one of the things that kind of drives me crazy. I've, People and I try to explain this about weather coverage, and this is my perspective about having you know worked at this radio station you know for for more than two decades. The you know some people wonder, well, you know, when there's bad weather out there, why is there so much attention to weather? And the answer is simple: it is because weather is one of the things that unifies us all. We all care about you know what's going on in the weather. Gee, is there is there a, you know a huge thunderstorm that's going to knock out all the power? Is there a flood that's coming on? Is there a tornado that's bearing down on you? Is there a monster snowstorm that's going to paralyze the area? When there is a bad weather situation, it is something that brings us all together, and it deserves to be covered. And some people will say, well, they're just kind of overhyping it, and they're saying the same thing every ten minutes. And I always explain, well, that's because. The audience comes in and and out constantly, and just because they did something 10 minutes ago doesn't mean that you can assume that everybody is still there, because what happens is there's a lot of people that have joined you over those last 10 minutes, and they want to know. So that's why there is a repetitive nature to it, and that's why it ends up getting so much attention. The problem, though, is when you don't, when you go into that kind of overkill mode, and you don't, you, you don't have the weather situation that warrants it. And, and again, I, 
The, the, the National Weather Service, for example, you know, when they come out with their different reports, they, they will give you, you know, they'll give you predictions. Okay, this is the area where there's a slight risk of severe weather, and this is the area where there's a moderate risk of severe weather, and this is the area where there's a high risk of severe weather. They, they do gradients. Um, apparently, this was just, it's code red. You know, everything is code red, run for the hills. And in this particular case, like I say, I think I give all sorts of kudos to this meteorologist for standing up and saying, look, you know, this isn't us. We we know that we think we're doing a disservice. So the upshot of this, and this is kind of the interesting fallback, is Sinclair now says, this is the broadcast company, now says that they are, they're going to re-examine the, the whole code red concept with the idea of, you know, maybe trying to come up with something that more accurately accurately reflects different weather conditions, not recognize, recognizing that, you know, not not everything is going to be, you know, the tornado warning, that there's a difference between thunderstorms and severe thunderstorms, and that maybe code red was too broad. Now, the interesting thing, so even though they say they're going to look at changing the code red thing, let's scare viewers into paying attention, uh, no word on what they're doing with the meteorologist. He hasn't been on the air since he did this um, a week or so ago, and there, there's no word about whether he's coming back. But I I agree with you that, t- to me, okay, did he make the station manager look bad? Yeah, he probably did. Did he make the company look bad? Yeah, he probably did. But you know what? He was right. He was right. At the end of the day, what he said was right. It resonated with the audience, and he should be back on the air. And if he's not back on the air, some other local TV station or other TV station in the area should be trying to get the guy because he clearly understood what management didn't, and that is what the audience really wanted. And I think there's a lesson in that for all of us who work in the media. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, what is your favorite meal to go out for? Oh, gosh. I, um, I, I don't mean, I mean, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Oh, which, okay. Right. Uh, I'm a big, I, I like breakfast. Okay. I so, like brunch. Brunch, especially. Okay. Mm-hmm. Brunch. Brew. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. I agree. Brunch starts yeah. the day off right. Oh, brunch, okay. Brunch, or, or so if we weren't talking brunch, it's breakfast more so than lunch or dinner. Would that be right? I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's not, more of a toss-up for not, me. It's okay. not during the week, but the weekend for sure, brunch okay. or breakfast. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I mean, I, I make no secret. I love breakfast. I mean, it's not that I don't like going out for... I, I just I don't I don't eat lunch, and that's what happens when you do a radio show from noon to three. Yeah. You don't get lunch. But, I mean, and we go out to dinner and stuff, and I like that. But there's something about going out to breakfast yeah. that I yeah. just... I, I just love you know you just and i don't know what it is but you sit there and maybe it's because it's so messy to have to make breakfast and have to clean up for after i just i i love i love breakfast now one of the things that i find and this is partly a reflection on the my my lovely wife who's worked who worked her entire life in the hospitality slash restaurant industry is we almost never go to chains um you know we we and i won't say never but most of our go-to places are are locally owned. Now, I'm not saying that there might not be a couple different mm-hmm. of the the Jeff restaurants, but you know, we typically tend not to go to chains. 
Right, you two. I, I would agree with that only because I mean in Milwaukee there's so much to choose from. Right, <laughs> all around us that are right. locally owned, and I and I totally believe in supporting locally owned businesses. So. Right, which mm-hmm. isn't to say I mean like a lot of these chains, and I appreciate that's somewhat unfair because some of the chains are are franchisees, and so you've got the local owners, sure. and, and I get all that. But but all things. All things being equal, I'm more likely to go to the local breakfast place around the corner from me than I am to go to like I an know, IHOP. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Which isn't to say that I, I dislike IHOPs, because mm-hmm. I actually I, I like IHOPs, even though I haven't been in an international house of pancakes in a number of years. All right, this is a long way of getting to the story. Having said that, though, when I think about breakfast chains. All right, Melissa, one more, and then I'll let you go. Mm-hmm. Well, take calls. All right, when I think about breakfast chains, chains, restaurants that, that do breakfast, I have to tell you that on kind of on the top of my list, I like Perkins. You know, Perkins. Oh, I did. You know what? That's one of those that kind of slips by the wayside. That is a good one. Okay. I do like Perkins too. I, I'm not a huge Denny's fan. Nothing wrong with Denny's, but I like Perkins over Denny's if I was to choose between the two. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. All yeah. right. So, but I, I mean, I, I, I like, the, I like Perkins and I, over the years, when I would travel, for example, and, and I'm looking for a place to have breakfast or something. Or actually, one of the things I like is they serve breakfast all day. So you can get pancakes or whatever all the time. And, you know, I, I, I would seek out Perkins. So I like the Perkins franchise as a general rule. They've got a couple in, in Milwaukee. Um, that may or may not be the case moving forward. Here is the story. Uh, Perkins restaurants appear headed for sale. The fate of Perkins restaurant and bakery could be determined in the next few weeks. The Memphis-based chain, officially called Perkins and Marie Callender's Inc., may put itself up for sale and or file for bankruptcy protection, according to various restaurant industry reports. Um, the spokesman for Perkins confirmed the chain is in the process of being sold. They say while there is a possibility that a buyer may avail themselves to a legal financial provision in the bankruptcy code that would allow them to acquire the company free of certain liabilities, um, you know, um, it's important to view the bankruptcy in, in context. So it, it appears that there's some issues going on with what I think was one of the I'm certainly like one of the premier chains. I think people would, would say, yeah, when you think about, you know, places that do good breakfast and stuff, Perkins would certainly be one of those. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This this issue, the sale, the potential sale of Perkins and maybe, you know, using bankruptcy to try to avoid certain obligations. And by the way, the Perkins group was in bankruptcy a few years ago and, and came out and they closed a bunch of stores and things like that. I think that this is, I think it's kind of, it's a pattern that you see with other restaurants as well, especially some of these chain restaurants. I have a why question for you. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Why is it that you think places, again, like, Let's take a, let's take a Perkins, which has been, you know, established. I, I think the, you know, the Perkins, I think they go back to the, like the late 1950s or the early 1960s. You know, why is it years and years and years later that some of these established franchises that are really a, a part of, a part of American life, why is it that I, again, some of them might be looking at bankruptcy? Some of these chains end up closing. What is going on? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I've got a, 
I mean, I've got a couple theories on this, starting with the idea that I, I do think more and more people are, are looking at the local businesses as opposed to the chains. But I also think that, you know, we're seeing a change in dining habits as well. 414-799-1620, what's going on with some of these large restaurant chains and why are some of them potentially in trouble? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Bob in Waukesha. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Bob. Uh, I was a big fan of Perkins, and I would go there and order. They had they had a delicious chicken pot pie. And you would get the pot pie, and you would get a big salad with it. And it was, a, a, I'd say, a generous portion. Then I noticed when I ordered the pot pie, the salad, the the salad was about a quarter of what it used to be. Okay, shrinking portions. Yeah, and and I noticed in some of their breakfast, they I think they changed changed their menu, and took out some items, and the portion size got smaller. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it turned me off. Yeah, well, I mean that, that that's that's always one of the factors that, that's out there. Uh, I, I see. I always make this point about restaurants and businesses in general. Everybody thinks that because some place has been there forever, that means it'll automatically be there forever. And then what happens is, okay, you become con- concerned about this bottom line or that bottom line, and maybe we can raise prices, maybe we can cut back portion size, you know, whatever. And it, it always ends up, it, it always ends up having an impact because sooner or later, I think people notice. Scott in Milwaukee. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Thanks for taking the call. Yes, sir. Yeah, I owned a Quiznos sub-franchise for 12 years during the, uh, just before and during the Great Recession. Right. Oh. <laughs> and I, I saw, yeah, <laughs> I saw that generational shift. Um, millennia, I, I was employing millennials back then, and millennials today, they're, they're just starting to start their families, and, and they're just starting to buy homes, and they're trying to get themselves out of debt. The thing is, is that millennials dined for experience. Uh, Gen Xers, baby boomers, they dined for the food. Mm-hmm. And I saw that shift. Uh, you know, millennial experience, millennials want to immerse themselves in, in experience. That's why you've got the Benelexes. That's why you've got the, uh, uh, the, the, the pancake house out in Brookfield, which is always packed. Right. Because there is, that is an experience versus, versus a Gettys. Right. Where you go in, you get food, you eat, and then you get back to your life of experience. Interesting. Uh, they, huh. They want, they, the millennials today who now have that disposable income, control of that large disposable income core, they want that money spent on an experience. As opposed to just the as opposed to just the food per se. As opposed to you know going you know, millennials have their their faces in a phone. They don't have friends. They don't they don't they don't converse with the people next to the. You should see the, the look that my millennial producer just gave you and me. Okay, Drew, this yeah, this is but, this is Scott talking. Don't give me that look. Uh, okay. <laughs> I know, I know, but you know, you go you walk into a George Webb's and you'll see it. You'll see the difference. Yeah. You you will. You you sit back in a George Webb's and you look. 
on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning, and you will see who are millennials right. and who are Gen X. Because well, it's, it's so different. Well, you know, it's, thanks, you know, it's interesting. Okay, Gru, did you want to do you want to defend your your millennial generation? I mean, I've, I've been to a Perkins and a George Webbs. I appreciate them. Yeah. Okay. But see, you're you're not the typical millennial. You you don't sit there with your. I mean, I've been out to eat with you. Don't sit there with your face and your phone all the time. No, and I don't have high standards either. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I, I guess. See, but I, I do think I do think part of it is a is a generational thing. Okay. Here's a text from somebody. It says, "I'm 31." I don't go to the same places I went to growing up. I know how to cook. I don't want to spend a lot of money on a meal that I can make at home. I want something fresh and unique, which is actually, I think, it's with the point that Scott was was making there. Um, you know, it it is interesting when I think about when I think about the places, for example, that Fran and I will go for for breakfast. Let's just take that as an example. I think about our favorite. You know, breakfast places, which tend to be not, which are, are non-chains. They're all, you know, we, we know, we know the owners at the different places. And I, I will say, I think as a, as a general rule, there are more people our age and older, more of the, the boomers and, and maybe the upper end of Gen X than there are of the young people. And I think part of that might be just a reflection, again, of the um, maybe it's the idea of the disposable income that, that's out there. And I, I think that's kind of a factor. But I, I do think well, it's, it's kind of like, OK, when, when I was when I was growing up, I, I you know, my parents went to certain places. I, I didn't. When I grew up and got some disposable income, I, I tended to go to my own places. I wasn't going necessarily to the places that my parents went. So I think it, it's an evolution. Um, here's what Kevin Muskego says. Jeff, in general, people are eating much healthier these days. Um, Perkins, for example, doesn't come to mind when you think of healthy eating. Perkins comes to mind for big carb-filled breakfasts, which breakfasts, which I think people are, are having less of. You know, I think there's, there is an element to that as well. Trevor in Cedarburg says, many of the chain restaurants have been cutting corners for years while struggling to hire dependable quality staff and offering the same choices as local mom-and-pop type restaurants, but um, maybe a lower quality at a higher price. And I don't mean to pick on the chains, but I do think – you, you're, you're seeing this play out. I think, and part of the problem that chain restaurants have, let's face it, is you you want to change, you want to evolve, but at the same time, you you don't want to get away from what it was that made you successful. I mean, look look at a McDonald's. I understand McDonald's is is a different experience than a, than a Denny's or a Perkins, but you, you look at McDonald's. Think about all the different items that the new items that they're always rolling out on the McDonald's menu, and how how many of those actually stick? And, and the truth is, almost none. Now, I'm not saying none, but but almost none stick. I mean, what's the one thing that McDonald's has done that was something different that has stuck? Well, it's it's breakfast, and it's the all-day breakfast. But in general, you know, they'll, they'll bring in and they'll do this. But at McDonald's, I mean, people go to McDonald's for the hamburgers and the cheeseburgers and the Big Macs and the Quarter Pounders. That's, I mean, that's what they're going for. They can offer a salad, but when you think about salads, you don't think about McDonald's. And so th- you try to change, you try to evolve, but at the same time, you've got your core business here. I think it's going to be an interesting thing to see how things develop over time. And my prediction is, we can mark the tape, that I think the restaurant landscape, particularly with chains, I think it's going to look, I think five years from now and certainly ten years from now, I think it's going to look dramatically different than it does 
today as more baby boomers continue to age and as you get like the Gen Xers and the millennials who have different dining habits that are that are out there and 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 don't want to go to the same places that their parents went to. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Feel free to disagree, but I think that when it comes to sports, freak injuries happen. And I think if players are, are able to play particularly important games in important games, that they should. Right? I'm talking, of course, about what happened yesterday in the NBA playoffs with Kevin Durant. For those of you who don't know, Kevin Durant is one of the three or four best basketball players on the planet. You know, you, you, you can argue about where he comes in on that, but, but he's clearly one of the very, very best basketball players on the planet. Right now, he plays for the Golden State Warriors. Golden State is playing Toronto in the NBA Finals. Toronto, of course, beat the Bucks. Toronto, going into last night, had a three games to one lead, and they were playing at Toronto. So in other words, if Golden State loses last night, the, the, the series is over. Toronto is the champion. So their backs are to the wall. Kevin Durant, one of the best players, basketball players on the planet, had been out of action since early May. He hurt his right calf in a playoff game uh, when the when Golden State was playing Houston, and and he hasn't been back in since May eighth. Well, okay, if they lose last night, it's the end of the series. It's the end of the season. So Kevin Durant gets medically cleared. He wants to play, and he goes out and plays, and he's plays in the middle of the second quarter what happens is he goes down with an injury now this is his first time back he goes down with an injury uh the toronto fans in a move that was trashy at best um start cheering when durant gets hurt which is something matter of fact it was kind of interesting to see because the toronto raptor player raptor players they they realized that that Durant had hurt himself pretty badly, and they're trying to get their fans to stop booing, these to stop cheering. These people are cheering for an injury, which is something that you never do. It's a no class move, but we'll, we'll leave that there. In any event, it turns out that it appears that Kevin Durant um, messed up his Achilles in the, the same leg where he had the the calf injury. That it's probably not a career ending injury. But it's a career-changing industry. They um, they expect if you're lucky, you can come back maybe after eight months. Generally speaking, it's probably about a year, which means that it's in all likelihood Kevin Durant's probably going to miss next year. Now, you know, maybe he can come back a little bit earlier, but he's ca- probably going to miss next year. He's a, a free agent after this year ends, which means you know he can go and, and sign another contract with somebody, but he's probably not going to be able to play next year. Or he's got an option, so he can he's got an option and he can stay with Golden State and continue to get paid for another year, but not as much money as he would get on the free agent market. Market. So here you have a guy who's been hurt. He comes back, he plays a little bit, and now he sustained an extremely serious injury. The question is, should he, after having been off since May, should he have gone back? Should he have been on the court? Did Golden State rush him back? Did we do this guy a disservice by having him come back and play? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 
All right. Um, was Kevin Durant a, a victim? Should Golden State have simply made the decision, you know, this guy hasn't played since May 8th. We don't care if our backs are to the wall. He's too valuable a commodity. We shouldn't put him on the floor, risking potentially, in this case, serious and maybe career-changing injuries. Should he have been on the court last night? You're listening to Jack Wagner on WTMJ. This injury last night was kind of devastating for, for Kevin Durant on a personal level. He's going to be 30, he's turning 31 before next season. In all likelihood, this Achilles injury, he's probably going to miss all of next season. In all likelihood. Now, maybe he can make a really, really quick recovery, but he's probably going to miss all of next season. And if you look at, if you look at the players who've come back from this injury, I'm looking at something here, almost always there's a drop off in it's an injury that's tough to come back from, and almost always there's a drop-off in performance, which doesn't mean that Kevin Durant's still not going to be a spectacular basketball player, but age, the nature of this injury, all these things put together, there's clearly, you know, he's clearly going to be a changed basketball player. Now, he's still going to probably be in for a big payday, so I guess the question is, did he do himself, did the team do him a disservice by playing him yesterday? Let's start with David and Mequon. David, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, and the, yeah, the Warriors did a huge disservice to to uh, Durant. I'm not a fan of his, but at the end of the day, um, you know, you got to keep in mind that this is obviously the player's health. He he will probably exercise his his option. I think he's got a one year yep. option of like thirty one and a half million dollars. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going to feel bad for him that way. Right. But as far as going forward with his career, the bigger picture, which you're stating, um, it was his decision ultimately, mm-hmm. but he was pushed into it. And if you look at you know, how we treat Giannis, can you imagine you know, with Giannis, if we don't you know, uh, give him a little bit more time to heal up, you have a major injury, and to your point, Jeff, yeah. uh, at that age, being 39, he's going to be 31, it's catastrophic. He won't be able to push off that leg and jump like he would be able to, and it's certainly going to limit his ability as a player uh, being as prolific as he is in, in doing a lot of things that he's used to doing. He won't should be able should to we be giving out. him credit for, for being willing to play? I mean, does that speak? Is that a testament to him for being willing to say, okay, I, that my team, we're a game away from elimination. I'm going out on that court, and I'm going to try to help us stay in the playoffs. There's, yeah, you could say a little bit, but at the end of the day, um, I, I really think that, you know, he got pushed into this, got rushed, and now, yeah. now he's going to be, like you said, he's going to be out for a whole year, and his career will forever be changed from this due to the fact that, you know, uh, right. you know, they played last night, he played a, I don't know, 14 minutes, whatever right. it was, and that's it. I mean, right. it's done. So. Well, I think, you know, it is interesting because I guess we'll never know for sure, but I firmly believe, David, if the team was up three games to one, they wouldn't have played. Yeah. You know? Oh, no, for right. sure. For yeah. sure not. Got yeah. it. Okay, thanks for the call. four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. At the same time, when you're a professional athlete, 
You, you, every time you go out on the court or the field or the rink or whatever, you risk a career-ending injury. Now, a number of people are texting me and saying, well, if you've got a calf injury that's not fully healed, it, it gives you a greater likelihood that you could sustain an Achilles injury on your foot. So, but, but of course, there, there's no guarantees of that. In some respects, this, it wasn't like this was necessarily this predictable kind of thing. To an extent, it was sort of a freaky kind of, kind of move. Um, you know, should should Golden State have not played him? Let's talk to Rob in Green Bay. Rob, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Rob. Well, like you like you said, you know, he's he's an athlete, and athletes risk that injury every time they step on the field, whether it's baseball, basketball, or football. He was cleared to play, and he wanted to play, and a, and a, he knew he and he knows for a fact, pretty much for a fact, like probably like a lot of people do. That if he doesn't play, Golden State has no chance to win this series. Right. And that, that was the best shot that they had, you know. And and he wants and he wants to get out there. He wants he wants a chance at another at championship because you never know when you'll get back there. Because getting to a championship game series is a hard thing to do. Right. And I'm sure I, I'm sure his biggest concern was: Am I going to re-aggravate the calf injury? Not. Am I going to have some other, you know, sort of sort of injury? You know, because you re-aggravate the calf injury, you're 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 out for a, a month or two. This is kind of a catastrophic injury, and I'm sure it wasn't something that was on their radar screen. Well, I, I'm sure it wasn't, and you could see, you know, it, it looked like just a little freak thing, like like he stepped on, but he was playing really, really well. I think he scored 11 points. He did. He got the uh, the three three pointers, and then the, that single basket. Yep. I mean, he was playing great. It was just that I think he stepped on and just. What did you think of the Toronto? What did you think about the Toronto fans cheering when he went down injured? Uh, I, I liken it to the the Philadelphia throwing batteries at Santa Claus and the players. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's totally classless. Yeah, it, it is, and I think it surprised a lot of people because you, you think of of Canada as being nice. You think of Canadians just collectively as being nice. Now, I, I kind of had a different impression when I saw that, that Drake character on the sidelines, you know, during the Bucks series. But you know, these people cheered. It was actually, it was kind of interesting to watch because the, the players in Toronto, they realized that this was a serious injury. They knew right away that this, that Durant had hurt himself pretty badly. And, and they're trying to get the fans to stop cheering. Mike on the Northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Um, my, my thoughts are that, uh, it's up to the player if he yeah. really wants to go in there and do the swan swan dive or swan dance, you know, for the last round uh, to get into the championship. Yep. It's up to him. Uh, I don't know if he were, probably was pressured into getting into there or not, but uh, I think it's up to the individual player and make his own decision if he wants to go for the championship now or continue his career later on. Well, yeah, and plus, I mean, I don't, again, I think this was kind of a freak injury. I mean, I, it's, it's hard for me, it's hard for me to fault Golden State for, for doing this. I mean, unless, I mean, I mean, this wasn't something where, you know, they shoot him up with some, some numbing drug so that he can perform and then he goes out and rips the thing. This was, this this was an injury, and maybe it was more likely if you're not fully healed to have this. But nobody anticipated that there was going to be this kind of significant injury. And the guy's a gamer. He's been played a lot of money. He's been paid a lot of money. He he's he's wants to see the team do well. So he was out there. I mean, I guess I just think it's sort of a freak thing. I I did gain a degree of respect for Kevin Durant though because I thought he was. Uh, I mean, I thought he was out there trying to do what he could to help his team, and that's what you like to see from athletes. It's what you like yeah, to see think, from any employee. 
Yeah, I still think the Toronto fans kind of suck for doing the. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and, and they're, it's, that's going to haunt them. No, thanks. That that that's going to haunt them for a long time. Now, I, I'm not going to defend the Toronto fans, but I, I'm. If you want to give them the even just a little bit of a benefit of the doubt, you might say, well, okay, maybe they didn't realize that the significance of the injury, but still, you you don't you don't cheer a player when they're injured. You you just you just don't do that. And they were cheering him. In any event, I gained some respect for Kevin Durant. I, I think I, I I think that if you're an athlete, it's an important game. You try to play if you can. And that's what I think ended up happening. He tried to play. I don't think it was foreseeable that he would sustain this kind of injury because, like I say, I think this was a freakish type of one. But So I, I give him credit. I don't fault Golden State unless somebody lied to him or whatever, and I don't believe that's the case because you've got your own doctors as well. He tried to he tried to step up when his team needed him. To me, I think you get a lot of credit for that. Uh, it, will he be a change player? Yeah. I mean, there, there's no question about it. But at the same time, he's made a lot of money. He's going to continue to make a lot of money. So you, you don't have to – I don't think you have to feel too sorry for Kevin Durant. But I thought it was a class move to play last night. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> So very glad to have you with us. During that break, I decided to give my producer Gru a break because I, I have I have really a great call-in topic, and I was going to launch into it, but it's two forty-eight, and by the time you got the phone calls lined up, we would run out of time, and people would be upset because they've called in, and I would be upset because I've blown a great call-in topic, and you would be upset because you're going there's eight minutes before the show's got to end, and he's making me answer all these phone calls. So we're we're going to save that to give you a little hint. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Um, I I just. I almost saw a road rage incident the other day. I was down getting off the freeway right by the Potawatomi Casino, and you've got, you know, you get off the freeway, and you're going to go over the viaduct to go to Potawatomi, and before that, you you cross um, St. Paul, and there's always a number of panhandlers, bums, whatever, standing there, you know, because they know there's other people. There's people going to the casino, and they feel guilty, so they think they'll get money, and I, I almost witnessed a road rage incident involving a panhandler, and multiple cars. I'll tell you about that, and I'll tell you what one community is doing to try to stop that. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Jack Phillips. You you perhaps do not know the name Jack Phillips, but you might know the name Masterpiece Cake Shop. The Masterpiece Cake Shop is owned by Jack Phillips, and he's the baker in Colorado. who You might remember he was the guy, he is very, very religious. His religion teaches him that marriage is between a man and a woman. And if you remember the story, the same-sex couple goes in, they want him to make a, a cake for their wedding. He refuses. Colorado, they then report him to the Colorado authorities, and Colorado goes after him, seeks to fine him thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for refusing to make the gay couple the cake. The case ultimately goes through the court system, ends up in the Supreme Court, and last year the Supreme Court tosses the case. They they, they say, no, the, the Colorado authorities um, they essentially were vindictive with regard to him. They treated him unfairly. And without really answering the underlying question about whether his good faith religious beliefs trumps this state statute that says that you can't discriminate against people based on sexual orientation, that the Supreme Court 
throws out the at least the findings against him. It goes back to Colorado, and Colorado says, "Okay, we're 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 just we're done with this. We're we're not going to continue to pursue this." All right. Well, just like sure, sure as night follows day, what happens is you have another, you know, gay person. In this case, the person goes into the Masterpiece Cake Shop, and and they're trying to. They're trying to set Jack Phillips up, and the person is going through a gender transformation, either from a man to a woman or a woman to a man. I, I'm not sure which, and they want a cake made for the quote-unquote birthday of their their gender transformation. And he says, "No, I'm sorry. This is I, I'm not I, I'm not going to make you a cake for for this again." My my cakes are expressions of things. I, I'm, I consider myself to be an artist, etc. So the person then turns around, files a claim with the same Colorado authorities. They then file a claim against him. And clearly what's going on now is you have members of the, the gay community that are, are they, they don't like the fact that Jack Phillips was able to do what he did, and they're continuing to go and try to – they want to put him out of business. They want to create legal issues. Um, and, and they, they ultimately, okay, the Supreme Court didn't take this one. Let's go after him on this one. So the, the transgender person files the complaint. The Colorado authorities, they file a claim against Phillips, and it looks like we're on the same path. Well, what happened a couple of weeks ago is I think the Colorado authorities said, you know what? We're, we're just, we're done with this. You know, we, this is, this case is going to go the same route that the last one did, and we're going to spend all this taxpayer resources. So they back off. They say, no, we're, we're not going to deal with this. At some point in time, maybe the Supreme Court will take a case and decide once and for all whether or not the person's legitimate religious beliefs trump the statute, which say that, you know, again, you have to, you, you can't discriminate in any way, shape, or form about against you know people based on sexual orientation. So Colorado authorities say, well, you know, maybe the Supreme Court will decide it, but we're not going to go after this guy again. All right, you would think that would be the end of it, but no. Story from a couple days ago is that the person, the transgender person who had tried to buy the cake, uh, they they now have gone to court themselves and sued Jack Phillips over his refusal to make the the cake for the transgender birthday thing. So they've now filed a a case in uh you know district court. So they're continue they're suing him even though the state isn't. You know, I guess my answer to all this would be once again, look, I understand the Supreme Court's going to have to decide this once and for all. But what you see here is certain members of the community who are now trying to set this guy up. It's not like this transgender person couldn't have gone to any one of hundreds, if not thousands, of bakeries in Colorado and gotten the cake they wanted. They went into Masterpiece Cake Shop because they want to create a legal issue to punish Jack Phillips. And that is what I think is wrong about all this. Hope some district court tosses this out somewhere because to use the court to try to advance, uh, again, your personal feelings and your personal hostilities, I, I think is fundamentally wrong. Sooner or later, the court will decide to balance religious rights versus, again, sexual orientation. I don't know how they're ultimately going to decide, but I would say leave Jack Phillips alone. When we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa have on their minds. Please stick around.